Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Squadron, the podcast devoted to creating and optimizing a healthy and fulfilling life for first responders all around the world. I'm your host, Garrett Taslam, a sergeant for a sheriff's department in Southern California. And on the show, my goal here is to talk to a variety of experts in a variety of fields looking for those force multipliers that I can apply to my own life. Those things that can make me better, that can make me stronger, that can make me faster. And trust me, there's lots of room for improvement on the faster. Things that can make me healthier, things that can make me smarter, things that can make me more present, things that can make me more mindful, things that can make me more kind, things that can make me better at my job. All those things. And, and the goal of the show then, of course, is to talk to these people and then tease out what they do, what they what works for them, these people who are successful at this, and then try and apply that to my own life, my own challenging career. Uh, I like to have energy and focus and and enthusiasm for my work and for my life, and that's not always easy uh, for, for, for us, especially with me right now. I'm on night shift, and enthusiasm, energy, and focus are three words that do not come up very often when I'm on night shift. But the entire purpose of this podcast is, of course, to make myself better and to share what I'm learning with you. Before we get to the interview, I want to touch on a couple different things. Uh, if you're listening to this as it came out in, uh, in, in August, uh, you'll notice that we've been a little spotty over the last couple weeks with episodes. We, we started at the beginning of the year with an episode every week, and we're doing very well with that. And I say we, I always remind everybody, because I say we, I don't know why, but <laughs> we is me. There's no we in this. It's, it's me and my computer. Uh, but uh, we started the we started the year doing weekly episodes, and that was a goal of mine. And we were plugging along and, and doing great, and, uh, and and getting good numbers. But it's not sustainable over the summer for me because again, I'm a one man show. I'm a, I'm a one man band. I'm like the guy with the cymbals between his knees, and he's banging the drum and he's playing the trumpet all at the same time. A one man band who also has kids who has a long-term home improvement project going on, a long-term home improvement project that he thought was going to be a short-term, which, as anyone who's done home improvement knows, there's no such thing as a short-term home improvement project. But we're almost there. We're almost, we, we've, we've almost reached the pinnacle or the peak, and we're on the downward slope. Anyway, my point is, is that, uh, yes, we've been a little spotty with episodes. They've been uh, about every two weeks or so over the last couple of weeks, last couple of months, rather, uh, it's summer, and if you got kids, I think you hope, hopefully, understand. We, uh, you know, family vacations. Kids are out of school, so they got to be entertained because you know, putting them in front of a TV for eight hours is apparently a bad idea. So you know, kids, at, kids are out of school. We're doing things as a family, round about, uh, doing this home improvement stuff. Stuff has to has to slide. And frankly, um, you know, as much as I love doing this, as much as I want to make this, and I try to treat this as a profession, it's not the one that comes with a check every two weeks. So, uh, you know, it has to sit every once in a while. Uh, and also we've had some guest scheduling issues and conflicts and a, a recording problem with one guest coming up that just delayed us, you know, a couple of, a couple of episodes. The point is, point is, is that come September, October, we'll be picking back up, hopefully doing uh, weekly again. I have a long, long list of excellent people lined up who want to be on the show, who, I've asked to be on the show, who I'm excited about having on the show, and it's just a matter of scheduling time, and uh, time is valuable for all of us. So that's it on that. I won't I won't belabor that point, uh, but I I do and uh, want to belabor something, and I'm gonna uh, harp on this for a minute or two. Uh, I usually give a plug. Recently, uh, with our our current setup, I've given a plug for Amazon's or for, sorry for Audible.com owned by Amazon, but audible.com, which does audiobooks. And I love audiobooks, and I think they're fantastic. And I've given that plug at the end of the show in the last couple of months. But we have a new uh, uh, sponsor for uh, starting tonight. And I want to give a a big round of applause and a big congratulations uh, to you. Yes, that's right. It's you. You are the sponsor of this episode, or the, the larger community anyway, is going to be the sponsor of this episode and the episodes coming up uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, if you're familiar with Patreon at all, Patreon is a uh, system, a website, a uh, well, it's an idea. It's, it's an idea that goes back thousands of years to the time when Mozart and Bach and all of them. Well, that wasn't thousands of years ago, but the point is, it's been, it's been a couple hundred years. This idea of patronage has been in play, where uh, people 
who enjoyed content, who liked creators, would donate or pay to ha- have those people participate or have those people create content for them. In the, ter- in the original terms, it was classical music and uh, poetry and that sorts of things. And nowadays, it's podcasts and videos and YouTube and that sort of stuff. So when I say that you are the uh, sponsors of this episode, I mean that quite literally. Patreon allows you to decide on your own uh, a value for the show that you can then donate to the show uh, on a per-podcast or per-episode basis that you feel is worth it. And I've gotten a lot of emails. And the reason I did this, I got a lot of emails from people who have said, uh, let me know how I can help. What can I do? Is there a t-shirt I can buy? Is there a hat or a coffee mug? And we've done those things in the past, and it's they're frankly kind of a pain in the butt um, because I, I'm just kind of a stickler for quality. And this is a great way for people to get involved, to show some support for the show. It's hands-off in the sense that if you decide you want to donate a dollar an episode, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the squad room and you put in a dollar an episode and it just charges and it comes to us. And again, us means me, but what I mean by us or me in this sense is that all of the proceeds that we will receive from this, as we do with any other uh, sponsor, go directly back into the show. They go to make sure that the all audio quality stays as good as it is. It goes to some travel that we do to meet with some of our guests. It goes to some of the testing I do on some things that I later bring to the show uh, as a topic. Um, it goes to a variety. So it goes to the server space that it costs for the the websites and the and the and the servers, the audio servers, to be able for you to listen to what you're listening to now. That's not free. Uh, it goes to that. This is not me taking that and going out and buying a six pack of my favorite IPA. Uh, which happens at the most moment to be uh, M Special's Greatland Special IPA, which I'm consuming at the moment. Point is, if you want to participate, and I would appreciate if you do, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the squadron. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash the squadron. And you can, um, you can make a donation or a uh, patronage of any amount that you wish from $1 on up. Or I think it's even I think they even allow half dollars. If you donate five dollars or more an episode, I'm going to give you a shout out in in, the, in every episode that you're donating for, and uh, and, and name drop you uh, in the credits. But uh, again, it's something to help the show. It's help something that helps move forward. We have a lot of goals. Again, we why I don't know why I say we, but I I have a lot of goals for the show. I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of things that I think are going to help people. A lot of things are going to help people move their lives forward. Uh, I've talked with a lot of you via email and phone, and I have a good sense of uh, ways that I can continue to help. And it's just a matter of sometimes, frankly, honestly, of capital and being able to start to move the needle on some of those projects. So if you're considering it, I would appreciate it. It's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the squad room. And don't think that for a second, I don't feel a little awkward about throwing this out there and asking you, you, the listener, for money uh, on a show that is free. And, of course, it's going to continue to be free. Um, and I struggled with it. But at the same time, the enthusiasm I get in the emails and in the iTunes reviews and in everything else tells me that there are people out there willing to support the show. They want to support the show. They just don't know how. And this is a great way to do it. So pretty straightforward, patreon.com forward slash the squadron. All right, enough of that, enough selling. Shake that off. Our guest today, if you've been listening to the show for any amount of time, you know this man, you know this man, I call him my personal Buddha, and I think you'll see why in this episode. And uh, Traver Bohm is back. Traver was, at the beginning of the show, long ago, some 74 episodes ago, he was kind of a co-host, he was on quite a bit. He was the guy that I bounced ideas off of. He was my uh, coach um, and uh, just a phenomenal guy. I mean, I have a hard time wrapping my head around everything that he's done and that he's been through. And today we're talking about a really specific topic, really deep, dark, gritty topic, uh, divorce. 
and by uh, extension, divorce and grief. How do you get through a divorce? How do you get through grief? How do you manage those things? Traver went through a spectacularly disastrous divorce uh, that was unexpected, that he never saw coming, and it forced him into what he now understands to be the best year of his life, but it was also the hardest. And he's got uh, eight tips that we go through on this show about uh, how to make, how to get through a divorce and make it uh, the best year of your life. It's it's intense stuff, and I'm lucky enough that I, I haven't had to experience this myself. We we started this conversation on the uh, on the misperception or the misunderstanding that cops got divorced more than the regular public, and for the longest time, I thought that was true. But as we did research leading up to the show, we realized that. Statistically, anyway, or anecdotal, it's it's all anecdotal because there's no there's no there's nothing that says for sure that cops get divorced more often. And it may be true, but there's no data that suggests that it is actually true. Uh, so I think my hunch is is that we just get divorced in a more spectacular fashion. We, you know, we've got the beat wives, and we've got uh, you know the the the, the, the affairs at work, and and again. A book I reference all the time, but Dr. Kevin Gilmartin and his idea of the hypervigilance roller coaster and wanting to stay up in that hypervigilance area, that 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 thrill, that adrenaline rush that it comes with it, makes us leads us to those things and leads me to believe that that's probably where this misperception comes from. Regardless, over half of marriages fail. Eight hundred thousand people are going to get divorced alone this year in the U.S. Lots of them are guys just like Traver and Traver, you know, former MMA fighter, former bodyguard, former CrossFit gym owner, um, a renaissance man, not expecting any of this. He had to deal with it, and it was through that that he learned how to help other people, and he's now helping other people. His website, onedaystronger.com, is helping people get through this uh, and help him get through this grief. He did a whole TED Talk on making pain his guru. It's phenomenal. The show notes will have links to all of his information, his website, his Facebook, his Instagram, and of course his his uh, his his TED talk because it's phenomenal. So uh, even if you haven't gotten a divorce, I think this episode you can get a lot out of. You can get stuff out of it with just the idea of dealing with grief, giving uh, uh, giving into that need to grieve, and that's hard for us. That's hard for any type A person or hard for any cop who's expected to have all the answers it's hard to give in to being able to grieve uh but if it's not a divorce it's a death in the family or even and i think this is i think his eight steps apply to this too even for retirement even for the guys who are retiring about to retire who have retired you you have suffered a loss and i think that uh i, I just totally see how these steps parallel to that so if you're going through a divorce, if you've been through a divorce, listen to this. If you think you're about to get a divorce, listen to this. If you haven't gotten a divorce and you're in a great marriage, good for you. Congratulations. We know it's tough. But listen to this because you are going to go through some sort of loss at some point in your life. It's a, it's a, it's a fact of physics and math that we're all going to deal with loss. So here we are with Traver Bohm. Traver Bohm, welcome back to the squad room, my man. Thank you so much, Garrett. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, excited to have you back. We have you on occasionally. For people who I, I gave a little bit of an introduction uh, in the introduction. That's where you do introductions, <laughs> by the way, if you haven't keyed in on that. Uh, but, uh, you know, you're a frequent guest. Um, I, I call you my personal Buddha because of all of the sage advice you give out there. And I wanted to have you. <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> wanted to have you back on the show because to talk about one specific thing that you know a lot about at this point. And uh, it's something that we... Uh, in, in law enforcement especially, uh, deal with quite a bit. And uh, in the lead-up to the yeah. show, we were both doing a little research, uh, and it's about relationships. This, this show, we have you on for a lot of different things, but this show we're going to talk yep. about divorce and relationships and, and loss, grieving that loss and how to do it health, health, healthfully. Is that a, is that a yeah. word? Yeah, healthfully. I think so. I like we're, to say healthfully. We're, we're going to make it a word. <laughs> how to do that in a health healthy way. So yeah. that um, you don't jeopardize um, relationships with your kids or your even your ex-wife or your future wife or your department or your, most yeah, concerning is, is jeopardizing your job through your your dealings with, with the general public. 
Yeah. So um, that's what we're here to talk about today. I mean, we could talk about all sorts of different things with you, but that's what we're going to talk about today. Awesome. And you have told uh, – you have a good reason for being the guest that I want to talk to about <laughs> dealing with relationship uh, – a breakup and a, and, yeah. a, and a tumultuous uh, relationship. So I wanted you to share that story again. You've, you've shared it in the past, but we have a lot of new listeners, and sure. not everyone has gone that far back. So tell us that story about how you went from married man to now, several years later, dealing with um, being the person I'm now going to to help us get, get advice on the end of a relationship. Sure, 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 sure. Well, first let me say uh, what a pleasure it is to be on and – because your listeners, believe it or not, email me more than any other uh, any other audience that I've spoken on. That's awesome, and and I love getting the emails are just fantastic. So I have people telling me about their meditation streaks. It's like cops are now talking shit about their meditation streaks with me, and I love it. I love um, it. That's so, awesome. So thank you for having me on. So um, yeah, back to man. I can tell you the day, Garrett. It was January tenth, twenty fifteen. Uh, I spent the morning in bed with my then ex-wife, happily married, in my in my head. Then wife. Um, then wife. Yeah. yeah now ex-wife. Uh, we played with the dog. We we laughed. We joked. And um, I went to make breakfast, and did make breakfast. And I was sitting there at breakfast and was just looking at her and thought, huh, something's on her mind. Um, We'd just gone through the holidays. Like, we literally just had a, our anniversary. We'd had New Year's. We'd had Christmas. We'd had this incredibly festive time period. And I asked her um, sort of two questions at the same time. Like, is anything bothering you that you want to talk to me about? And what's your plan for the day? And she combined the two answers into one, saying, yeah, I'm really sorry. I don't want to be married to you any longer. I'll be gone within the hour. And bam, just like that, my entire life changed in an instant. And an hour later, she had packed up and she had left and she moved out. And I probably saw her, you know, a handful of times since then. And the rest of our communication went from literally daily, multiple times a day to every once in a while through a text, through an email and then through attorneys and now not at all. And it set a course of motion going in my life that, it literally was the pivot point in my life. I can look back on before the day she left and after and just massive, massive changes and differences. You made a couple of decisions that day and you did a couple of things that day that I think yeah. set you either that, I mean, that day, that was going to be a day that either set you up for failure or set you up for success. And there's a couple of things you did. What were those? What were, tell us about those. Yeah, uh, I made some really strong decisions that day, and some of it I will say just go off the cuff and say it was divinely ordained because there was a voice in my head that said, um, this is literally going to go one of two ways. You're either going to kill yourself or become a criminal or hurt somebody or flush your entire life down the toilet, or you're going to use this next period and this journey you're about to go on to up-level every single area of your life. So before my ex had left the house, I was on the phone with a therapist and saying, um, I'm about to go through some shit. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to handle it. I have no fucking idea what I'm doing in this arena. Uh, I'm going to need help. So please call me back. And the moment after she left, I, fuck, man, I get chills. I, can, I was sitting on the couch and made the decision right then and there to stop drinking. And I wasn't a big drinker. It wasn't a big part of my life, um, but I was a big pot smoker. So I made a decision to get rid of all of it uh, and to, to literally use it as a, a right turn, let's say, you know, towards, towards everything that I thought I always wanted or the life that I thought was just out of reach. I thought, man, this is a massive opportunity on one level. On the other level, um, as far as drinking, and this is something we can talk about down the line, I thought was going to be the deciding factor literally of life and death of the next time I get drunk, I will probably put a bullet in my mouth. You know, this is how serious the situation is. That was part one. Um, I had read oddly enough, maybe a week before that men my age, 40 to 45 are in the highest suicide bracket. I remember reading this article at work and being like, Oh wow, that's weird. Like, why are guys my age killing themselves? 
And then it listed that this is the age when we get divorced. This is when we lose touch with our purpose. This is when, you know, our lives transition and we don't transition with them. And so I'm sitting here on this couch with, you know, realizing that my life has just taken a massive turn and thinking, fuck, I am, you know what? I am now, I've just been thrust into that bracket. I'm about to turn 39. I'm about to get divorced. I'm about to lose the entire future that I thought I, I had, a family, a dog, a house, you name it. Um, I don't want to fucking kill myself. But I bet you every single one of those guys that did sat exactly where I'm sitting right now and just made a different set of decisions. And so I took all the, the booze I had in the house and I threw it out. And that was, I can tell you, man, that was 928 days ago because I haven't touched it since. And... I can tell you that I'm done with the divorce and the paperwork signed and, you know, she's out of my life and I've moved on to amazing things, but I'm not out of it yet. You know, it, it doesn't just go away because I write a book or because I can come on and, and talk about it. So I just made the decision that I couldn't think of anything good that would come from drinking through this process. That was a big part of it. Like there was no good decision in my life that was going to be at the end. I would look back and be like, that great thing happened because I got drunk during my divorce. <laughs> but I could think of a million bad things, you know, from car accidents to fights to poor health to weight gain to suicide, literally, mm -hmm. that would come or could come at the end of alcohol. So I got rid of it. That same day, too, you uh, you Googled how to survive a divorce, didn't didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's almost comical, Garrick. Like I'm an athlete, right? Like, I don't know. I'm a dude. Like, I don't know what to do. So I Googled it. It seemed like the right thing to do. And I got such, I found this litany of crap, of just shit, of um, advice such as, you know, like t I laugh about this now. I was like, go take a bath. Like, take a hot bubble bath. It's going to be okay. And, and I was thinking, you know, th my whole life just got ripped out from under me. Um, the, the kid I thought I was going to raise, the wife I thought I was going to have, the house I thought I was going to be in, the future is gone. And your advice is to sit in hot water <laughs> with bubbles, and that's going to make everything okay. <laughs> Are you guys serious? Like, I want to drive to the author's house and just smack them. Like, come on, give some real advice or, or be honest. You know, that was where I think um, that's why I wrote Today I Rise, because I wanted someone, I wanted my voice of honesty to be something that someone else could find. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'll come on, tell people directly. I work with people every day who are going through a divorce and say, guess what? This is going to suck. This is going to be the hardest thing you've ever had to deal with. It could be. Mm -hmm. This is going to be fucking miserable. You're going to hate your life on a second-to-second -second basis until you don't. And, and it was literally that kind of honesty that I had to search out and seek as opposed to have someone present to me. And, and there was so much of the opposite of, of, uh, of bypass of like, oh, this is just your path, you know, yada, yada. This mm -hmm. is just your spiritual journey and you should enjoy it. And yes, there's, there's parts of that, but no one will look me in the eye uh, or very few people and very, very few resources and say, hang on, dude, this is going to be a fucking ride. You know, here are some concrete steps to make sure that at the end of today, you're still alive. Mm -hmm. And that's you, what I need. You, you got a, a text from another friend, too. I thought that had some sage perspective. Um, if you remember the text I'm talking about. but uh, Yeah, the phone call. It was a phone it was call. Actually the, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I called my, my buddy Johnny King because his sister had said he went on a business trip and came home to an empty apartment when he was married. And I found out that's, that's actually not that uncommon. And he said, this is going to be the worst year of your life. So straight up honest. Or you'll be able to look back on it as the best year of your life. But either way, it's going to be the hardest. And so that's the given. Like that was, there's so much truth in that statement of how you look back on it at the end is up to you. But it's going to be a pummeling along the way, no matter what. And, and that, that was like, that is the, the frame of the entire year was. Okay, I can do. I can take concrete steps. I'm not in control of so much here, but yet I'm in control of so much here. And the and the 
pieces I put in place and the action steps that I take, the honesty, the openness, the vulnerability, whatever you want to talk about it, the, the truth, the, re, the realness of it can turn it into the best year of my life. So, but either way, it's going, to be a, it's going to be hell. I think that's an important distinction, the difference between it's either the worst or the best, but it's going to be the hardest. And how yeah. sometimes the best can be the hardest. I mean, we follow Stoic or we try to follow and learn from Stoic philosophy a lot on this show. And, and even the title of uh, Ryan Holiday's book, The Obstacle is the Way. The only right, way right. through what you're going, the only way to deal with what you're going through is to go through it. Not go right, around it, not take, a, not take a bubble bath, not just, no. not just, it's not just your path. So, <laughs> you know, for, for us cops, to put it in a cop perspective, we said at the beginning that, um, you know, there's, it's actually a misnomer that cops have a higher divorce rate than the general population, or at least there's no real data to support the idea. It's all sort of subjective. Um, okay. But I said, like I said before we hit record, we sometimes do it in spectacular fashion, you know, and, <laughs> and for, cops, for cops who want some insight, I, I always recommend uh, Dr. Kevin Gilmartin's book, Emotional Survival for Law Enforcement, where he talks and walks through the detachment that starts to go with, uh, with law enforcement work. And yeah. our a previous guest, Josh Mons, uh, from the Army, had a great quote in an episode where he said he was at his ta- most tactically proficient when he was at his most emotionally detached. And oh, I, wow. I see, I, I totally, I see it in myself. I see it in partners. I see it in cops I meet through the show. And the struggle with, it's easier to be emotionally detached because you're better at your work. But right. then how do you re-engage and go back and forth what Gil Martin calls the hypervigilance roller coaster between right. dealing with family and dealing with work and eventually you just turn off the family switch or the relationship right. switch which the sends us on this switch. yeah which sends us on this you know path towards relationship struggles divorce problems with our kids etc yeah. uh, on top of uh, that is the, <clears throat> is the peak you know that that adrenaline rush of being at work and being in that vigilant state we sometimes uh, it's easier for us to stay there and seek it out in other ways. And we seek it out through uh, alcohol use or affairs or that sort of stuff. And yeah, the adrenaline. Right. Exactly. So maybe one thing to bring it back to you though, is maybe in hindsight, can you tell us some of the things that you now see from your perspective that were warning signs that, that led up to that? Do, Do you have any perspective now or understanding of where you might have, uh, unknowingly participated in the demise of the relationship? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I was high every day in my marriage and, uh, I drank a fair amount. I was addicted to the, to building businesses. I was addicted to the future completely. Um, everything was about the someday, 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 someday. In addition to let me just throw myself down a flight of stairs every day in the gym so that I'm so exhausted that I don't have to feel. Mm-hmm. So it, it was it was this whole concoction of dissociation from my feelings, right? If I'm high fantasizing about a future business and writing out prospective plans for it, then I don't have to realize that like, man, I, I'm not, I don't have a good communication set with my wife, my, my wife at the time, mm-hmm. or there's something in this marriage that's bothering me too. But I don't, I don't have the capacity or the understanding or even the language to address it. So let me go do as many power cleans as I can in 45 minutes and beat the shit out of a punching bag and then go run a 5K uphill mm-hmm. so that when I get home, I'm just so numb and exhausted that it's okay. And if that doesn't work, then give me two beers and a joint, right? Which to me was exciting. People think, oh, it's, you know, you're just completely zoned out. It's like, no, I was invigorated mm-hmm. you know it was it was keeping everything at bay yeah well so same, yeah i have that same mindset man i was an ex-fighter it's like i lived for the rush mm-hmm. you know? so yeah to, to, again for people who haven't heard of you before you came from a professional fighting background a personal bodyguard and then you moved into well acupuncture school but also entrepreneurship you had your own clinic you also yeah. and you were also a personal trainer you owned a crossfit gym you're co-owner of a crossfit yeah. gym um and had all these different pots boiling at the same time very much as an entrepreneur and an athlete Um, yeah yeah it's interesting that you identify with that same sort of hypervigilance uh roller coaster and the the idea that it's easier to be emotionally detached yeah so okay so um 
now that this day had happened, you went on yeah. uh, a course, <clears throat> and we actually did a whole episode a, a while ago on what that Year to Live project was. And it, but the short, tell us the short version of what the Year to Live project was. There's a whole episode on it. People can go scroll back through and find. But you know, the, what's the two sentence version of that? Um, the two sentence version of it is I lived the entire year of 2016 as if it were my last year to be alive. And that was going back and healing a lot of old relationships. It was personal growth experiences. It was volunteering. It was working with people who were dying. It was, uh, as as the, the big one of sitting in a dark room by myself for a month, um, was giving a talk. It was really experiencing and gathering experiences for the next half of my life, in addition to filling in the holes that I was avoiding by chasing that adrenaline and by chasing that high-level feeling all the time. And so I think the obvious first question is, after you've gone through the divorce, you got the advice that this was going to be the hardest year of your life, it was also going to be the easiest, or sorry, it was going to be the hardest year of your life, and it was either going to be the worst year of life or the best of your life, best year of your life. Uh, here we are about, what, 20 months later, 18 months later. And can I, I want to ask you, which one is it? Which one was 2016? Uh, it was both the hardest and the best. Yeah. Truly, I can say that with, with straight honesty, that uh, it, because of where I am on the outside or because of where I now look at the position I'm in now, mm-hmm. um, I grew so much from that trauma. And I, I literally remember this thought too, Garrett, at the time of, I'm not going to survive this experience, right? I will not live through it. And then, then having the, the download or whatever, hearing, yes, but the you that you'll have to grow into in order to survive it will survive it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like the me sitting there on the couch the day she left was destined for death from that experience at my own hand. Mm-hmm. But the me that – then it was this constant series of, of my comfort zone went – 3,000 miles away, and, and I was just thrust daily into all kinds of experiences that forced me to grow into who I am now. And now I look back at the me that was sitting on that couch, and I can't even recognize that man or his life. So, yeah, truly the best year. Was it something I want to repeat? Fuck no. <laughs> right. Absolutely not. Um, it's just crucible after crucible after crucible. Uh, a lot of that self-inflicted but or self-created. Mm-hmm for the sake of the growth opportunities, but man, um, it is truly that my, my life is so different now. So, so different. And for all, for all, for the most part, all for the better. So at some point on your blog, you wrote a post about the, the eight steps that you felt were the ideal for, for getting through this process that didn't include taking a hot bubble bath. (laughs) So say uh, that, say that last part again. Oh, you you wrote a you wrote this blog post with uh, at some point during this process with your eight steps that you developed to get through yeah. this process that didn't involve a bubble bath. So yeah. um, I want to go through those because I think that's the meat of of a good discussion here, and um, sure, and then you can elaborate on them as we go. So tell us about the what step one basically. What's the first step sure. when someone gets this 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 decision's made that they're getting a divorce? Or they come home to that empty apartment or house. What's that step one? Step one, man, and this is the one that I think most people miss, is to actually grieve. And especially men listening to this. Like the advice I got from other men was fuck your way out of it. Like literally have as much sex as you can till you this just all goes away and you forget about it. As opposed to just get really comfortable on the bathroom floor where you're going to spend the vast majority of your time for the next nine months crying it out, bawling it out, snotting it out. Just fucking grieve. Like literally let yourself have the experience of falling apart. Mm-hmm. You know, are there apropos times to do that? Is that great, a great thing to do while you're pulling someone over for you guys? No, it's not. You know, I went to work every day, but then I would go home and fall apart. But I gave myself permission to fall apart as hard as I, I could because mm-hmm. I believed and I still believe that the, the more you let yourself grieve, the, the higher you're going to come out of it. So it's like the lower you get to where you're dancing right on the razor's edge of, of sanity, 
the further you're going to come out of it. And that's the thing I, I think most people skip. And said, so grief doesn't go anywhere, mm-hmm. right? If, if I don't get rid of it, it's just going to sit here. It'll wait 40 years. You just said, it'll, it'll, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to screw you up, but you, I want to touch it's on okay. something you said. You said you gave yourself permission. What? Yeah. I, that's an interesting idea. I mean, we're, we're free-thinking people. We can do whatever we want, but you had to give yourself permission. And um, maybe as kind of that hyper-masculine kind of guy who you were, you know, the fighter, the, the entrepreneur, the athlete, Division One athlete, that sort of stuff. Like, was it in there? Was there something in your masculinity that you had to allow yourself? What, what do you mean when you say you gave yourself permission? I just had to grant myself humanity, man. Mm-hmm. I just had to say, like, despite my outward accomplishments, despite how I'm built, despite what I can do with my body or what I think or, or what my ego drives me to do in the world, I just really got hurt. I didn't want this experience. Uh, it's, it was, I got hit by a bus, mm-hmm. right? And just to acknowledge the, the humanness within myself and say, no matter what, no matter who, no matter where, this sucks and it happened to you. So let it suck, you know, forget about the other stuff. Like underneath all of those accomplishments, underneath all of that type a personality underneath the, the bodyguard, the fighter, all of it was a human that got my heart broken and had my relationship ended and had my wife walk out on me. And that was extraordinarily painful. And just so I needed to admit it, I almost looked at it logically Garrett of, you know, if I broke my leg and yet I walked around saying, like, it's not broken, it's fine, it's not broken, like, I'm a fighter, it's not broken, I'm a dude, it's not broken, then it wouldn't heal. Mm-hmm. So, like, I kind of used some, like, male logic to go, if you want to get through this really as fast and as clean and as best as possible, then be honest about it, even though being honest about it isn't what, isn't going to be cool, sexy, masculine, or tough. Mm-hmm. But I wanted the outcome, so I was outcome-driven. And so people listening to this, you know, especially guys, if you're outcome-driven, then be honest. It's gonna, it sucks. It hurts. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, we're, we're, men are still human. Uh, cops are still human. Fighters are still human. It's, it's, the heart knows no, no other qualification that eliminates it from feeling pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so yes, it, yeah. giving yourself the chance to grieve. Uh, and permission yeah. to grieve. That's that's number one. What was number number two? Number two was to accept the situation and then try to reframe it. And so this is where the work kind of came in. It was like, okay, I can pretend this didn't happen and then go on with the rest of my life bypassing it and saying, oh, it's just part of my path. It's great, whatever. Or saying, this blows. I hate it. It sucks. Now it's like cut, full stop. Now, what do I get to do with it? Okay, how can I reframe it? So as opposed to this is the def- this moment, I would tell people, like, this isn't going to define me, but I'm going to let it define my future. Hmm. I'm going to say the pain I'm feeling now, I can let do two, one of two things. It can either break me or it can break me so wide open and I can use it to, 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 as fuel for whatever I want for whatever changes I want to make in my life. Awesome. So yes, did it hurt? Absolutely. But can I turn it into something positive? That's on me. I can't decide whether it hurts or not. It's just like a given. It's a universal truth. This hurts. Mm -hmm. What's not a universal truth is what I decide to do with it. So I reframed it and I had a buddy come over uh, that like two days after this all happened, he said, what are you going to do? How are you going to get through this? And I I looked right at him and said, Mikey, I'm going to pretend like I have cancer. People that get cancer diagnoses change their whole lives usually like that. How they think, how they eat, how they sleep, how they interact with other humans, how they treat themselves, right? It's permission. So that's exactly – I'm going to reframe this situation as if I have cancer and I'm going to change my whole fucking life. Boom. Get after it. Number three is one we talk about a lot on this show about – we've actually done full episodes on it. What's three? Three is gather your team. Gather your team. That's a, that's a big one. Gather your team. Yeah, you are not going to get through this alone, um, especially men. We like to, like, if you asked me, what does my ego want to do the day after she left? It is kill all my social media, move to an island where I live by myself, crawl into a hole, and just wait for the inevitable death. 
and that'd be great. It's perfect. <laughs> like that. <laughs> it sounds so much better than having to go to work or deal with people or yada yada. Uh, but you need this is where it's 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 hard, but you got to reach out. You got to reach out to people, and and I think especially for men, uh, get professional help. Like I literally was on the phone with a therapist before she left, and I was in therapy for that entire year and a half. And I have, have no qualms or shame or weirdness about that at all. Mm-hmm. It was a huge help to me. It was a huge, like people will pay men, women will pay me to teach them how to deadlift. Right. Mm-hmm. But then, and that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I have a coach. He teaches me how to deadlift. Okay. Why? Because I didn't know how to deadlift. Okay. Well, me, Traver did not know how to get through an emotional shit storm mm-hmm. by myself. So I looked at it as if I was just hiring a coach. I'd actually call my therapist a coach. He'd be like, you know, you realize you're the only person that calls me a coach. I'm like, yeah, but that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. Because I'm actually an emotional moron. I'm the guy in the like gym fail videos on the emotional landscape. <laughs> you are a good coach. So keep me away from like doing the lap pull down machine with my legs and making this whole thing take 20 years. Like teach me how to get through this. And mm-hmm. Keep me sane. Uh, and, and this is someone that's gone through, you know, he's literally sat across from thousands and thousands of people that have gone through the same experience I have. So he knows the patterns, he knows the pitfalls, he knows, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Just like I'd sat across from thousands of people that didn't know how to deadlift. So it was like once we take the the the, the shame out of it, which is which is a fascinating idea, then it was a really, really good idea to have a therapist. And, and he was a part of my team. Uh, my friends became a part of my team. You became a part of my team. You know, it just was vital to have humans that at two in the morning I could call and say, I'm not okay right now. I just need you to tell me that everything's going to be fine. And I had guys that would be like, sorry, I'm asleep, but everything's going to be fine. You're going to be okay. Talk to me about whatever you want. And then I'd hang up. Mm-hmm. You know, gather your team. Do not isolate. Do not, do not, do not. Please, if you're listening to this and you're going through some shit, no matter what it is, do not isolate. We're social creatures. We're tribal creatures. Mm-hmm. We, we need the help of each other. So, yeah, it is something we talk about a lot on this show about building your team. And, and, and we talked about having, a, you know, your, your coach or, you know, your physical trainer, whatever it is, having your physical therapist on, on your team, um, having a doctor that understands your work, um, you know, your friends uh, having that team. And I like the idea of that. I like the idea of calling a therapist a coach. And we've had uh, Jay Nagdeman on before. He's a clinical psychologist, but he works for LAPD. All he does is talk to cops all day long. And he was always emphasizing the idea that therapy is more performance enhancement than it is um, fixing something that was broken in the past. And it kind of goes to what you were saying about taking what you've done or what you've been through, but shaping that into how you can better perform in the future. And I think that opens the idea of therapy to people more often you know that if, if it's a or especially guys like oh if it's sports if it's performance enhancement sure i'll i'll do it <laughs> you know they'll, yeah they'll take chinese herbs and they'll uh uh and and they'll go to therapy if it means that they get better at something or they're more competitive um versus right absolutely putting a band-aid on but as something. soon as we we have to acknowledge first that we're deficient or that we don't know something then right. it's a, a shit storm that's, that's a, like, no no i wouldn't do that <laughs> right Okay, so number four. What was number four? Number four is three words, move, eat, sleep. And it's basically coming back to the vehicle that you're going to have to go through, you're going to have to live in on this journey is your body. And so while the the journey itself is going to be hard no matter what you do, you are in control to some degree of the vehicle that you're going to go through it with. So every day you got to move your body. This is, you know, emotions get stuck. Chinese medicine views that emotions get stuck in the body. I believe emotions get stuck in the body. I know concretely how much better the rest of my day was when I started my morning with exercise. So literally just getting up, getting to the gym, going for a run, lifting weights especially, especially because I was angry. So using the, the anger, you know, power cleaning was my best friend because I wanted that bar to hit me in the chest. I wanted to be tired. And then my day went from, you know, a 10 of shittiness to like a six or to a five or to a four. 
Uh, and that was clear on the days that I took care of myself. And, you know, we've talked at, at nauseum about eating well and sleeping well. You've done the, had much better experts on th- than me about it. But those three things, it's like, what can you control in this situation? Mm-hmm. I can control that I move. I can control what I put in my mouth and chew and swallow. And to some degree, I can control what I, or how I sleep. But I want to make sure that it's emphasized that I'm taking care of my sleep. Be that getting you know, medication if you need it, melatonin if you need it, herbs if you need it. Because anyone who's gone through a heartbreak period, you know sleep is not, not the best friend. Mm-hmm. But literally take care of the vehicle that you're gonna that you're gonna live in throughout this process. Number five was one I, I like. It's something I've struggled with uh, developing a practice for. But you mentioned earlier that cops are emailing you on the regular about yeah. their their yeah. new habits. Number five is meditation or, or staying present rather. And but through uh, one of those ways is through that is through meditation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I joke with people half heartedly, but then not and say that meditation saved my life throughout my divorce. Uh, Because, like, what does meditation teach you? It teaches you not to let your thoughts take you on a ride. It teaches you to say, oh, that's a really shitty thought about my ex. I noticed that. I'm going to let it go and get back to being right here, right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a really shitty thought about the fear I have about the future. Well, I can't do anything about that right now, so why don't I let that thought go take a deep breath, come back to a center point, and hold space for where I am within the day. So breakup, heartbreak, divorce is this god-awful battle between you know, living in the past when things were good or reliving arguments or fights or the day she left or he left or whatever, and then projection of the future of the now what, right? Like I had this massive hole blown open in my future. Mm-hmm. The future I thought I had was no longer existent, which means every possibility exists from good to bad. And sitting there getting in a tailspin over that was not going to help. So I started literally, this was my practice every morning, get up, pee, go ask to cushion and meditate for 25 minutes, period, done, no questions. And I would cry during the meditation. I would like freak out sometimes, but it would set me up for a significantly calmer day And I realized in that practice that if I can use this tool to feel okay on the worst of days when my life is literally falling apart, then imagine how powerful it's going to be to continue this practice after the 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 shitstorm of my life has has calmed or that my external life has calmed itself down. Um, Meditation is massive. You know, for everybody all the time, but especially when dealing with loss and trauma, mm-hmm. because it keeps you present, right? You're not projecting into the future and you're not fantasizing about the, the past or swapping the two. And we'll come back to meditation at the end and some of the stuff you're doing sure. now. Um, number six, pain management. Number six. <laughs> yeah. Explain that. Yeah, sure. You have to learn now skillful ways to deal with your pain. Because all of a sudden, there's this new, there was this new element, at least in my life, which was this massive amount of pain. And I'm going to quote a buddy of mine, uh, Jeremy, who writes for, he's, uh, if you know, the Long Distance Love Bomb, he's, he's that guy. And he, he just put something up the other day that really resonated. And it said, let it bleed, let it heal, leave it be, scar faster than before. I thought, man, that is spot on with, with the work I'm trying to do and do with people who are going through a divorce. You have to deal with this new entity. It's called pain. It may not have been here yesterday when you were happily married or happily in your relationship, but now it's here. It's like a a new person. So what do you do with this person? You use them and say, okay, pain, you're actually going to, you're going to fuel me to quit drinking. You're going to fuel me to go to therapy. You're going to fuel me to get in shape. You're going to fuel me to study a new language. You're going to fuel me to find new growth within myself so that I can use you skillfully. I think that word's really important for people to to swallow is skillfully, right? You as a cop probably deal with people all day long that unskillfully deal with pain. Yes. 
Absolutely. <laughs> that's your, that's like, that's your clientele, right? That's your, that's, that's your those are your customers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what's the opposite of that? Is it getting loaded? Is it, you know, having an affair? Is it beating someone up? Is it doing drugs? Is it banging a hooker? Is it whatever? No, it's, it's using it in a way that supports your life, your goals and your well being. And I know it's possible if you're conscious and making conscious choices, which comes from being present, which comes from all the stuff, you know, one through six before it. Mm-hmm. But just acknowledging the fact that this is a new entity that we have to deal with. And, and like the asterisk and, and is the greatest fuel source on the planet. Right? Yeah. Nothing drives us more than pain. Sure. Right? It takes us to the gym. It makes us, it makes us do a lot of stuff. Yeah. So skillful management of pain. Absolutely. Which is another reason why I also quit drinking, quit smoking, didn't sleep with anybody. Like I wanted to feel it so that I could use it. Makes sense. Tough. Yeah. Very tough. Yeah. But like you say, yeah. our clientele is our people who are all dealing. Well, I, almost all of them uh, are dealing with some sort of pain, either acute or chronic. Of course. And then, and then we, uh, I think also, you know, um, on the professional side, we we endure and, and encounter our own, you know, traumas and stressors that accumulate that we have to manage. The, you know, the pain oh, my management. God. I can't imagine a day in your job, man. I can't imagine what you guys see on, on like a slow day, how painful it must be. And then just look at the country. We consume 80 percent of the world's opiates. Yeah. Like there are a million ways to not feel pain as an American. A million. Yeah. None of them will help you get to where you want to go. So number so seven. This is, sorry. sorry. This is to say like the, if you want to use bravado, if you want to use machismo and ego and type A personality, it's embrace. It's like, all right, I'll fucking embrace that pain. The same thing that made me want to become a police officer, the same thing that made me, Traver, want to become a fighter was, yeah, I want to, I want to get good with pain. I want us to be homies. Yeah. It brings up a. I think that was a big part of why I even started. I think in hindsight, 